This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. And to get started today, I want to ask you to look around the room and look for all the blue you see. Look around. You can look gawk at people. You can stare at people. But uh, look around. See, see the blue. Who's wearing blue? Who's got maybe a blue shirt or blue dress? Or maybe there's blue in the room in other places. Look for the blue, okay? Got it? Are you visualizing the blue? Okay, shut your eyes. Continue to look in your mind's eye with your eyes shut at the blue that you just saw. See it? Now, I want you to, with your eyes still shut, look for the red. See the red. What did the red, what red did you see in the room while you were looking for blue? Kind of hard, isn't it? Kind of hard to do that. When you're looking for blue, it's hard to see red. Sometimes I think I am looking only for blue when I'm supposed to be seeing a different color. A couple weeks ago, I was not getting emails, important emails. We had a staff meeting, and the staff were saying we were getting these emails. And I I asked one person on staff, why didn't you send those emails out? And he said he did. And I said, I didn't get them. Somebody else said, I got them. And I was not getting these important emails. So I went to spam, and I found out that there, there, there they were. The messages were there setting in spam, important messages from the staff I wasn't getting. Also, other important messages, other emails were going into spam. My daily email from the St. Louis Cardinals, it was, it was in spam. I mean, there were lots of important messages. And so what I had to do was I had to unspam my spam. You ever know how to do that? I, I learned how to do that. You unspam your spam. You go to your spam and you figure out the messages that you want to keep getting, the messages from people and people you want to keep hearing from, and you had to unspam that. Well, I wonder sometimes if there are some messages that my sophisticated mind is filtering that I'm not getting. Important messages, maybe messages even from God. Because we have a sophisticated, and some people might say, sometimes a darkened mind that just blocks out the messages. Today we're looking at the story of Jonah. We started last week, Jake Hotchkiss of Church of the Center got a Got us off to a great start as we looked at this guy, Jonah, who got messages from God, and what did he do with them? Well, they, they went to spam, or he was looking for blue, and God was sending the color red. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and speak to the people there. But Jonah got on a boat and went the opposite direction, getting as far away from the purposes of God and what God was wanting him to do because God gave him a message and he gave him a message that he was supposed to bring to the other people. He was running away from the purposes and the direction that God was giving him, not just for his own sake, but for the sake of other people. And so he's on this boat and God sends the storm. And if you remember the story, the sailors throw reluctantly, Jonah overboard, and Jonah is thrown over into the sea. Poor Jonah. How would you like to be Jonah? How would you like to have a book written about you that highlights where you messed up? Think about the worst time in your life where you really screwed up. And 
people would write about that story and people for centuries would read it and talk about what an idiot you were and how stupid you are. And I can't believe, Jonah, you would do that. But do you know on Yom Kippur, on the Day of Atonement, that annual festival that the more traditional Jews still hold to this day, on the day where they fast and pray and they remember their sin and their brokenness, in the midst of Yom Kippur, the story of Jonah is read. And then the question is asked, who is Jonah? And the congregation says, we are Jonah. Let's try that. Who is Jonah? We are Jonah. We are Jonah. We got some things in common with Jonah. We also know what it's like at times where we have run oppositionally away from what God was wanting us to do. We are Jonah. Sometimes we're not getting the color red because we're so focused on blue. We are Jonah. Sometimes our sophisticated mind is filtering out and putting into spam an important message that God wants us to have. And we're not getting it and we're burying it and we're forgetting about it. We are Jonah. And so what we do today in this message is we're going to chapter two. We're going to that time where, okay, Jonah's been thrown overboard and he's in the belly of a fish. He's in the belly of a fish. It's his own kind of spiritual timeout. When I was a kid and I was misbehaving, my mother would discipline me in different ways, believe it or not. But the worst discipline I ever got from my mother was when she said, Robert, sit in this chair. It was the awfulest, most uncomfortable dining room chair that I had to sit in. Sit in this chair, Robert. And I would sit in the chair and I'd ask her, Mom, how long do I have to sit in this chair? And she would say, until you learn to behave. And it worked because I was forced to think about, now, how was I misbehaving? How do I need to shape up? And after a while, she would ask me, are you, are you ready? Do you know how to behave? Yes, Mom. And timeout was over. God is giving Jonah a spiritual timeout. He's in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. He can't run anywhere. It's a spiritual timeout. But who is Jonah? We are Jonah. Try it again. Who is Jonah? We are Jonah. Are you ready to join Jonah now in a spiritual timeout? Let's go there. So we're going down. We're going down into the belly of the fish. And in chapter 2 of Jonah, we're going to read from the message. It's Jonah's personal account of what happens in his spiritual time out with God. According to Jonah's own words, according to Jonah's journal, this is what happened in his conversation with God as he's in the belly of the fish. Then Jonah prayed to his God from the belly of the fish. He prayed in trouble, deep trouble. I prayed to God. He answered me. 
from the belly of the grave I cried, help. Now, if you never know how to pray, if you don't know what to say when you're in trouble, it's always good just to remember that prayer. Help, (laughs) help is a good prayer. In fact, I have found in my life there's three primary prayers that I can always pray, and usually one of those prayers fits one of the occasions, whatever's going on. One prayer is help, one prayer is more. God, I need more, I want more, I desire more. Guidance, help, whatever. Or God, you're doing things, do more, do more. God, I give you more of myself. And thanks, thanks, thanks and praise. Very, very important prayers. But it's important for us to learn how to pray, help. In a time of desperation and need, we we tend to do better at that than at other times. Help, Lord, help. It's like we have to cross a threshold of pain. Now, what do we do with pain? I think we're a culture, we don't know what to do with pain. What do you do with your emotional and spiritual pain? What are we doing sometimes as a culture? Go ahead and call out some words. What do we do with that pain? Run from it. Numb it. Narcotics, alcohol, there's all kinds of different things we can do to ignore the pain. But when we have this emotional and spiritual pain in our spiritual time out and we can't run anywhere, well, Jonah cries out to God. And I think sometimes we have too high of a threshold of pain because pain is good. Hard to say that, but pain is a megaphone. Pain is an indication that there's something wrong in our life. There's something missing in our life. And we need to pay attention to what the pain can say to us. And so Jonah has crossed over into that threshold of pain. We cross over into the threshold of prayer where we really mean it. (laughs) And we say, God, help. You heard my cry, Jonah says. You threw me into ocean's depths, into the watery grave, with ocean waves, ocean breakers crashing over me. I said, I've been thrown away, thrown out, out of your sight. Have you ever been thrown away? You ever been given the left foot of fellowship, thrown out of the club, tossed off the team, thrown out of a church, thrown away by a significant person in an important relationship you were part of. You ever just been tossed overboard, thrown away? That's what Jonah is experiencing. Somewhere along life's way, if we live long enough, we'll probably experience that, maybe several times. Well, Jonah continues in his conversation, in his journal. He says, I'll never see again. I'll never lay eyes again on your holy temple. Jonah feels separated from the faith. So many people can feel separated from the faith. Some people disappear like that ship in the midst of a hurricane a couple of weeks ago. 
just disappeared in a storm. Sometimes the storm gets us. And Jonah is convinced that it's over for him. He's toast. Ocean gripped me by the throat. The ancient abyss grabbed me and held tight. My head was all tangled in the seaweed. At the bottom of the sea where the mountains take root. At the bottom of the sea where the mountains take root. I was as far down as a body can go. Jonah has hit bottom. What do you do when you hit bottom? I don't know whether I was at the bottom 10 or 12 years ago, but I was as low as I've ever been in my life. 10 or 12 years ago, we were going through a very difficult time in our family. 10 or 12 years ago, our marriage was not good. About 12 years ago, some bad things were happening to members of my family. And it was a difficult time in the church. It was the perfect storm. Now, what does a pastor do? What does a spiritual leader do when he's or she is going through the storm and they're hurting? Now, whether uh, we were right or not, we didn't feel like at that time we could entrust what was going on in our life with this church. That's not a judgment against the church. It's not a judgment against anybody. I'm just saying and so we got away. We went to some places. Susan and I would go places together, and, and I would seek out places on my own. And I began going on a regular basis to the monastery during that time. And I remember one time in particular going to see Father Roberts. Father Roberts is a, is a hermit, a real live hermit that lives in a little house. And he's got a real long beard. And he's 80 years old, and now he's 90 years old. I went and talked to Father Roberts. I remember walking the grounds of the monastery, and I said, God, I want out. I want to get away. I want to quit. And there was one word that God kept saying to me, stay, 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 got to stay, stay put. God, I can't. I can't stay put. I don't have what it takes to stay put. Let's look at that picture of Jonah. I love this picture of Jonah where he's in the belly of a fish and he's in a fetal position. I guess if you were in the belly of a fish, you'd be in a fetal position too. But in the belly of the fish, there's hands. It's the hands of God is holding the fish. And that image is so important to me. And so when God was saying stay, things weren't still good, and it was still a lot of effort, and it was hard, and I wanted to run away. I wanted to quit. And I remember one time getting into my bathroom in a fetal position. It's not very manly to say this, but I was in a fetal, fetal position, and I was crying out to God for help. And there was something that God did for me that began to do for me in that moment where God touched me in a special way. And I wasn't it just didn't happen overnight. There was not ultimately or automatically healing, but there was something significant that took place in me that had never happened before. And God became more intimate and God became more real and God became more powerful in my life than he had ever had before. And so 
It's when we're at the bottom and when we cry out and we follow God's purposes in our life that we find that where our strength and our power ends and our options run out, that's God's opportunity to be God. And so the scripture says, I was as far down as the body can go and the gates were slamming shut behind me forever. Jonah is convinced he is done. (laughs) And then he says, yet you pull me up from that grave alive. God, you pull me up from that grave alive. And I felt like that's what God did for me. He pulled me up out of my grave alive. And that this is not a bootstrap theology where we pull ourselves up by our own power and strength, but God pulled me up when I could not do what I needed to do myself. Oh God, my God, when my life was slipping away, I remembered God and my prayer got through to you. My prayer got through to you, made it all the way to your holy temple. Those who worship hollow gods, hollow gods, God frauds, walk away from their own true love. Those who worship hollow gods, fraud gods, walk away from their own true love. I was about to walk away from my own true love. Walk away. But I'm worshiping you, God, calling out in thanksgiving. And I'll do what I promised I'd do. Jonah says, I do what I was promised I'd do. And Jonah here is not bargaining with God. Jonah here is not saying, God, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. No, Jonah is saying, God, okay, I get it. I'm going to do what I promised I'd do. And when you look at chapter 3, and we'll do that next week, we'll find that Jonah does what he promised God to do. He's willing to go to Nineveh. It's when I promised God I'd stay that God began to work in my life. Friends, this isn't easy. This isn't a sitcom episode where in 30 minutes everything's fine. We hit bottom. We go through times where we can't handle things our own. And it, things can go different ways here. But when we cry out to God, what we discover is that if we promise to do what God is calling us to do, when we unspam the messages, when we're able to look at the red, when we were looking at blue, when We're able to once again say to God, okay, I'm here, I'll stay, I'll do it, I'll follow you. And salvation belongs to God. And salvation is something that is deliverance. It's not something just a ticket to heaven. Salvation is restoration, it's reconciliation, it's forgiveness, it's mercy. And ultimately, we as Christians, as believers, we we believe that Jesus Christ is the one that brings us salvation. See, Jesus is the Jonah that is obedient. Jesus is the one that leaves heaven, comes to earth, 
and brings the message of reconciliation and peace and forgiveness and restoration to everyone, to you, to me, to the whole world. And He is the message. He's the message of salvation. And He's our hope. There's a, a creed that we often say in our traditional worship, and we don't normally say this in our modern worship, our worship of the praise band, but I want us to say this creed today, the Apostles' Creed, and before we go there, uh, I want to say a few words about it. Some of you, how many of you learned this creed or maybe a creed growing up? So several of you come from this background and several of you perhaps don't. The creeds were written in the third and fourth centuries. And I think it's important for us to, to rediscover the creeds and to, to look at the essence of our faith because you and I are living in a time of doctrinal amnesia. We're living in a time where many, many Christians or many, many churches are losing their identity in Christ and forgetting that the core message, the core hope is Jesus Christ, His life, His death, His resurrection. This is who He is. And when we know who Jesus is, then we learn to know who we are. Now, in the creed, we've changed the words a little bit from where some of us may have memorized it. For, for example, we changed the word Catholic Church to universal church because it's, it's not the Roman Catholic Church we believe in. The Catholics are okay. We're, they're, they're brothers and sisters. But it's the universal church, the church made up of all believers that, that we affirm. And we've changed the word quick, which meant living, to, to living. And that's really good news because some of us are alive, but we're no longer quick. So, and we've also added some words that was in the original creed, but got ex deleted, descended into hell. It reminds us that Jesus Christ, when he's dead and buried in the grave, what does he do? Where does he go? What, where does Jesus' spirit before he's raised from the dead? Well, there's hints at this, that in the old creed it says he descended into hell or he descended into Hades, the place of death. And theologians have argued about that and debated about that. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this. That Jesus Christ went into the depths of my hope, my soul, and my spirit. And I know that Jesus Christ will go into the death, into those dead places in your life. That God, through Jesus, will go into our personal hells. And so as Jesus' spirit goes to the place of death and preaches to the dead between the crucifixion and the resurrection, Jesus comes into our hearts and our spirits and uh, he preaches to us, bringing us the keys of the kingdom that unleashes the gate. Remember Jonah said, the gates, your gates were shut forever. Who was Jonah? We are Jonah. And so let's stand together and let's affirm our faith, the faith that's expressed in this creed, the Apostles' Creed from the fourth century, saying these words together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven 
and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As the band comes, I want to ask you to think about chapters 1 and 2. Chapters 1 and 2 of Jonah. Chapter 1 about this guy running away from God, and chapter 2 about a spiritual timeout. Chapters 1 and 2 are unnecessary in Jonah's life, and yet they are necessary because Jonah had taken a detour from God. And sometimes we take our own detours. Who was Jonah? We are Jonah. But the good news is that when we have to go through chapters 1 and 2, God is there for us. God meets us in the, in the bottom. When we don't have hope and we cry out for help, God answers us. And God is the salvation that brings us to newness of life. So chapter 1 and chapter 2 are chapters that you and I go through too, maybe several times in our life. But the good news message of Jonah, the message of Jesus, is that we're the fish that God won't ever let get away.